Hello and welcome to the Fit and Free podcast. This is a podcast for women who want it all, to feel strong and confident in their bodies, as well as enjoying a sneaky mug on a Friday night. I'm an exercise physiologist and sports nutritionist here to teach you how to achieve your body goals without food and your body controlling your life. So let's jump in. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Fit and Free podcast. Oh, I am vibing today. I'm feeling so good. I went for my walk. I went to the gym and overall, I'm just feeling so good right now with my nutrition and exercise. I'm just feeling so good in the gym. I'm feeling so well fueled. I'm just progressing so much all the time and I'm just here for it. I really have stepped into my strong girl era and I am absolutely obsessed with it. Honestly, learning how to train to be strong rather than small was the best thing that I have ever done for myself. And that's something that I actually talked about in last week's episode, the importance of learning how to actually train in line with your goals and what you want your body to look like. And it's that one mindset shift of being able to learn how to train to be strong rather than to be small if you want to look like a fit toned gym girl. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. I'm going to be talking about the changes that I have specifically made in my training that has really helped me define my glutes, grow my glutes, increase my chin ups to being able to do them now with 10 kilos hanging off me and increasing my deadlift by 15 kilos now. But before I get into it, I just want to give a life update because I am so freaking excited. It's Christmas season. I put my own Christmas tree up last week and it just makes me so freaking happy. Literally turning on the lights every night and it's sparkling and it just makes me feel so happy. And it's Black Friday this weekend. So I'm really excited because I've got a list of all the presents I want to buy. And there is nothing better than getting the presents, wrapping them up and putting them under the Christmas tree. I love giving presents. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I just love um, making them really pretty and aesthetic and just putting them all under the tree. So that's a vibe. I've already been testing my Christmas lunch food. (laughs) Like, come on, this is a real thing. We're really obsessed here. I'm planning what we're going to have already and I'm thinking we're going to do like this beautiful chili prawn garlic dish. It's going to be really juicy fat prawns and I'm going to coat them in garlic and chili and then I'm going to quickly saute them in a little bit of oil and they're going to be like finish them with some salt and they're going to be delicious. I've also been trying out some salads which I'm super stoked on. I've been trying this pumpkin and cauliflower with a tahini and yogurt dressing and it's got fresh herbs lemon salt oh it just tastes so good and another one that i've made and i've trialed is a pumpkin and beetroot goat cheese and honey walnut salad with a bit of fresh mint a little bit of fresh parsley and god guys it's so good I will be sharing some of those recipes on fit foodie recipes so watch out for those because they're honestly like amazing So that's it. That's where we're at and we're super excited for it. So let's jump into today's episode. So I'm going to be giving you some hacks, okay? And when I say hack, what do I even mean? How I interpret a hack, it's a more efficient, faster, easy, less effort way of doing something. 
a piece of information that once you have, your results will come faster. But here's the thing. If you're looking for the easiest, fastest, least resistance way for shortcuts, I can guarantee you that's going to be the longest way to do anything in life, especially in the gym. <laughs> because while I'm going to be sharing you with some hacks that I've really been implementing of late to really help me exponentially increase my training, and as a result of that, my body composition is also still changing, we have to remember that I've been doing this and I have been consistent for three years. Prior to the three years, I was yo-yo dieting, all in, all out. I was binge restricting. I was not fueling my body correctly, right? I was consistent, but I wasn't consistent and getting results because my methods were just so wrong. <laughs> so I don't count that. But for the last three years, I've been my training has been on point. I've been fueling my body correctly. I have built a healthy relationship with food and I have built a healthy relationship with my body. So therefore... What I have been doing has absolutely been working. So like, yes, I'm going to be sharing these hacks with you, but let's not forget all the years that I've put in prior to having these amazing results. And I will always say that because I see it so often is people are not actually willing to do the same thing over and over again. And they're always looking for this new thing. They're always looking for this new diet. They're always looking for, you know, the motivation spike when in reality, Something new is not going to help you. Sticking to something for long term is going to help you. So you need to build the mindset and you need to build the emotional intelligence to be able to stick to something long term. Compare it to getting a university degree. You're not going to get a university degree in 12 weeks. How do you expect to get your dream body, your perfect relationship with food, your um, being able to lift, you know, 100 kilos on your deadlift in 12 weeks? Like, come on, guys, like we need to look at this realistically and we need to <laughs> build a really solid mindset into learning how to be consistent and to stick to something. Because when you're always looking for shortcuts, it is literally the recipe of shiny object syndrome. Because if we're constantly running from this undercurrent fear of failing, like, oh my God, nothing is working. Oh my God, I don't believe in myself. Oh my God, I don't trust myself. Yeah, you're not going to be successful with anything because it's not the diet. It's how we're going about the diet, how we're showing up every day, the choices that we're making. And it's us being able to hold the emotional intelligence and self-awareness. So we stop bringing self-sabotaging our results. So yes, in saying all that, I'm absolutely going to be sharing my hacks that transform my glutes and my back with you, but they are not this magic thing. But if you start actually integrating and implementing some of these things, it will actually help you with your training as well. Okay, hack number one is overcoming my fear of eating more and eating more calories in general and more carbohydrates. I remember not wanting to have something pre-workout because I was literally afraid of the 100 calories of a piece of bread. I was so afraid to have that extra 100 calories in my diet because I was so afraid of that extra 100 calories was going to make me gain all this weight. And this is the thing, it's like, yeah, okay, if you're eating in a calorie deficit, you do have to be conscious of what you're eating, absolutely. 
But there's a difference between being conscious of what you're eating and being terrified of weight gain when you eat it. <laughs> so this is such an underrated thing. And this is why I talk about it all the time is if you have a poor relationship with food, if you're afraid of increasing more calories, we need to fix that and look at that first, because if we're running from that undercurrent of fear of weight gain from calories, anytime we get triggered, anytime we perceive we eat too much, anytime we, you know, we might body check, we might get on the scale, we might put on a piece of clothing and it's not what we want, then instantaneously we'll jump back to, oh, it was because I ate that extra hundred calories before I trained. <laughs> And I'm bringing a lot of fun and humor into this because it's like we are so serious in the moment. We absolutely are. But when we can bring some a little bit more fun, lightheartedness to the, the hectic beliefs that we have, we can see that, oh, hang on a minute. Well, maybe <laughs> like that's actually the reason why I'm not getting anywhere. So, yes, increasing my food, fully transcending the fear of weight gain and increasing my carbohydrates. Why did this help? because carbohydrates are your body's favorite source of energy. They are the preferred substrates for contracting skeletal muscles during high intensity exercise and also utilized during moderate intensity exercises. All carbohydrates are, are just sugars in different formats, plus fiber. Sugars when broken down create energy, water and carbon dioxide. Carbohydrates are changed to sugar within one to one and a half hours after eating. In comparison to protein, which is half is changed to sugar within three to four hours after eating. In comparison to fats, only a small amount is changed to sugar within several hours of eating. So this is why it is the body's favorite source of energy, because it contains the most sugar out of the three macros. And gets changed to unstable sugar the fastest. So it's the most efficient fuel source. Sometimes it's already in its exact form in which your body breaks it down really quickly. And this is known as simple carbohydrates, like fruit or in candy. So this is why we like to have simple carbohydrates before we train. So I'm bringing out this post on social media and I'm like hoping people are gonna find it funny because I think it's funny now, but maybe I wouldn't have found it funny back all back when, when I truly believed eating more was going to make me gain fat. And this is what everyone, there are so many people out there that we are so conditioned to eating more equals weight gain. Eating more equals our body will look a negative weight. And when we have that confirmation bias of that, we've never actually seen results and never been happy with our body composition, then it is really hard to change, change our perspective. Because that's what I thought. I was like, if I eat more, I'll just turn into Jabba the Hutt. And if anyone has seen Star Wars, you'll know what I'm talking about. But that's literally, I thought I was going to turn into this big monster slug that had this massive double chin and was just so, so big and like extremely, 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 extremely overweight. Um, that's like in my mind, that's exactly what I thought would happen if I ate more food. But what actually happens when you eat more food, you master your macros and you have the right type of training. So letting go of all this hit, burning calories, cardio stuff. When you actually weight train and put enough tension across your muscles, your body composition changes. You increase your muscle mass so that your body actually looks toned. 
right? So eating more, yes, we don't see a shift on the scale if we're eating at maintenance calories, you get body composition changes in a really positive way because we're having more muscle mass and at the same time, because we're eating at maintenance, we're going to decrease our fat tissue so our body composition actually changes. The same thing that we can speak to also in a surplus. So let's look at it from a lens of a surplus. So yes, when we increase our calories into a surplus, we will gain fat with gaining muscle. But the cool thing is, is because we're gaining muscle, again, we're still going to keep shape to our body. So it's not like we're just going to go, you know, increase our calories and just go. (laughs) What actually happens is we increase our calories and our body shape just keeps getting better and better. Yes, we get a little bit of extra fat on top of the muscles, but because we're having shape, we're getting bigger glutes, we're having more definition in our body, we still look good even though we're eating so much. And this is the difference between when you're focusing on the right things in terms of you've got your macros, you're fueling your body adequately, you've got a beautiful relationship with food, there's no this start again on Monday bullshit, um, and your training's on point, then you actually get really, really positive body composition changes. So that's my first hack, is get over a fear of weight gain. And I will be honest with you as well, like this is something that is... It's an ongoing process for me. Like, I'm not going to lie to you guys. There's been moments where I thought I had fully, like, transcended my fear and my beliefs, but sometimes the fixation and the control comes back into my mind. It's like, oh, be careful. Don't eat that. Don't eat that. You're eating too much. Like, these stories are still coming up for me. And it's something that I believe that it's going to take time, 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 repetition, repetition, and habit, habit, habit to interject these thoughts, not pay attention to them, question them, why are you here? And then choose differently each and every time. So in these moments when these stories do come back up, I always say to myself, like, I've got a choice. Like, I have a choice to either fall down the rabbit hole, shame myself, and believe all the things that I'm saying, like, oh, you can't eat that piece of bread, it's going to make you gain weight, it's going to make you fat, it's too many calories, you've already eaten too much. Like I could easily start listening to those stories again and fall back down into a hole, into my pity party, into a self-sabotaging loop, or I have a lot of awareness in and around it. Now I know why they come. I understand that it's my ego coming in for protection. It's my ego that's really wanting me not to gain weight. And I understand that. And then I utilize my emotional intelligence and my awareness around that and being like, well, hang on a minute. Is that thought actually true? Or is that just a habitual thought? And then it's in those, it's in that moment every single time is where I have to choose differently. I have to choose to challenge it. I have to choose to question it. I have to choose to move on with my day and not actually pay any attention to that. I have to take radical responsibility on my own habitual thoughts in order to fully let this go. And I can tell you, the more I have done that, the more I have challenged it every single time over the years, is now I'm to a point where it doesn't happen very often. But it's like I had to go through the process of it happening to me every single time and choosing differently to change my habits and to change my thoughts to be able to be sitting here and being able to be like, yeah, fully transcending that fear of weight gain. 
Okay. I do have to say that it's because people are not patient enough and people are not willing to like sit in observation and actually focus on changing the way that they're thinking, the changing the way they're showing up each day. Instead, they're just falling back into a self-sabotaging loop. And that's the difference between people who get results and people who don't. So in saying all of that, like overcoming my fear of weight gain and really focusing on eating more. So eating more food, eating more calories. And this goes hands in hands with making sure that I'm eating enough in and around my training. Making sure that I am having carbohydrates, especially at least half an hour before I train. So I'll have about 20 grams of carbs and a little bit of, well, I'm having a little bit of fat at the moment because I'm just having peanut butter because I just generally really like that. Um, and it doesn't give me any stomach discomfort when I'm training because that's the biggest thing. You need to make sure that your pre-workout food is lower in fiber just so you don't have any stomach discomfort when you're training. So like if I was training like a high intensity exercise session or if I was doing like a CrossFit session or if I was going for a run, I probably wouldn't choose something like a toast and peanut butter because my stomach would probably not enjoy that as much. I would more stick to like maybe a banana, something that's just really quick carbohydrates. But because I'm just strength training, I get away with feeling okay for me, me personally, my GI tract is all good just having a piece of toast and with some peanut butter 30 minutes before I train. I've actually really been enjoying training in the afternoon and how I set up my pre-workout nutrition there is I just eat normally through the day and utilize that and make sure my exercise session is timed about one and a half hours after lunch. And that's what it looks like. So I'll just have brekkie as normal and then I'll have my morning tea and then I'll have lunch. And then ideally we want our lunch to sit and we want to digest that. And we're looking about one and one and a half hours before we hit the gym to utilize all of that fuel. If we go in too quickly, again, we are running at that risk of having GI discomfort, belly discomfort, like getting cramps, things like that. And it's just really uncomfortable to train and brace properly when we're feeling that way. So that, of course, is going to be really something to think about. So hack one is increasing calories overall intentionally, overcoming the fear of weight gain. Hack two was making sure we're eating around our training. Hack number three is form and yeah i know it sounds a bit basic but for strength training is actually like requires a high level of skill like when you think about it think about your deadlift you've got to be thinking about your weight distribution of your feet you've got to be making sure you're hinging correctly through your hamstrings at your glutes you have to be making sure that you're bracing your core efficiently you have to make sure that you're engaging through your upper back and your lats then you have to make sure like your eye gaze is down, your chin is tucked and you got to make, <laughs> then you've got to complete the movement with about thinking about all those things. <laughs> like it's not something that we can just easily pick up and do. It actually requires a lot of effort to build the skill. And as we're beginning, it's okay because, you know, we're just getting used to the weights and we're getting like we're gradually increasing the load. And when we're beginning, like we're not lifting very heavy loads. So it's okay. We can kind of get away with not having really good technique. But as you get more advanced, as you start lifting heavier loads, your form becomes even more important because there's a difference between moving, you know, 130 kilos on a hip thrust versus moving 30 kilos. 
there's a lot more skill needed to be able to lift that much in comparison to lifting 40 kilos. So this is why I always encourage people to film themselves. And this is something that we really need to normalize in the gyms of filming ourselves. Like I literally film myself every single time I train, every exercise. And I've got my tripod now, I pull it out. I'm like, bitch, we're doing it, right? Because it's sure people might project onto me. I'm like, oh my God, she's so vain. Oh my God, she's this. Oh my God, she's that. I'm like, hey, this big Hayden. I'm sitting, I'm here working on my form and I'm fucking proud of that. (laughs) And I've seen my training just get better and better the more I pay attention to this. So how are you meant to, you know, improve if you don't know what you look like? (laughs) So why is focusing on our form really important? It's if our form isn't on point, then of course it's placing unnecessary stress on our joints, tendons, which could lead to injury and pain affecting our quality of life. But not only is it injury prevention, it's also really important to making sure that we're putting the right amount of tension through the right muscles in the exercise. I think about it, like if you're doing a hip thrust and you can feel your quads, then how are we gonna get good glute definition and good glute growth if we can't actually, you know, really feel our glutes working and our quads are taking over. Therefore, like we're actually using the wrong muscles in the wrong exercise and we're not actually doing it efficiently. We only stimulate growth in our muscle fibers that experience the right amount of tension. So by compromising on form, we reduce growth on our target muscles. A study published in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research revealed that extended time under tension increases the recruitment of both type 1 and type 2 muscle fibers. This recruitment stimulates muscle hypertrophy across a broader range of muscle fibers, maximizing growth and potential. So if we don't have the right form, we're not going to be able to put enough tension through the muscle fibers and therefore we're not going to have that hypertrophic gains and therefore our body composition is not going to change. So for those two reasons is why I'm constantly working on my form, injury prevention and making sure I am putting enough tension through my muscles to give them a reason to change. Okay, the next hack is bracing. Yes, I'm always going to be talking about this because I see it all the time. It's such a limitation for people to be able to increase their compound lifts because their core stability, not necessarily strength, more stability is hindering their results. And what I mean by stability is the ability to keep the spine nice and neutral through the range of motion. Because I see it all the time, like think about a squat or a deadlift where people are losing that stability and they're either like um, having a butt wink or a rounded back during the deadlift. That is a huge barrier to being able to lift more. And we know if we want to get better gains in our body composition, we want to build more muscle, we have to get stronger. And again, bracing is absolutely a skill. I remember first working with my powerlifting coach back three, four years ago, and this was something that he still was personally working on and practicing is was his own bracing. 
because, you know, as we get stronger, like I said before, we're just lifting heavier and heavier, our core needs to be evolving with that. Our bracing, our core stability needs to continue to increase and we need to continue to improve that in order to maintain, in order to keep up with the loads that we're lifting. So bracing the core while weightlifting can be a challenging skill. And to learn it, it is something that is generally not explained in great detail. I see people make the really big mistake of with their core bracing, what they'll do is they'll just suck in their belly button. Like, you know, when you're little and you're like, just suck in your tummy and just like suck in your belly. That's not actually how you brace your core. How we actually want to brace our core is actually we want to increase the abdominal pressure between our diaphragm and our pelvic floor. So what we want to do, we actually want to breathe out. And then when we breathe in, we're going to bring our hips down to our ribs. We're going to lightly pull our pelvic floor in. And then we're going to brace like we're going to be punched in the stomach. Because what we're thinking about when we're bracing our core, we're not actually just thinking about our six pack. But what we're actually thinking about is all the surrounding muscular at the bottom, at the top, in and on the sides of our abdomen. So when we're thinking about bracing our core, what we're actually talking about is our spinal erectus, our transverse abdominis, our rectus abdominis, our internal and external obliques, our pelvic floor, and our diaphragm. One of the biggest mistakes I see people make with their bracing is a rib flare. So when we're thinking about bracing, like I already said before, we really need to be thinking about ribs to hips to making sure we have that beautiful, stable pressure to keep our spine nice and neutral. Okay, moving on to the next one. And the next one is warming up. This is something that I have changed and I am absolutely loving the effects of changing in on my warm up. What I was doing before wasn't wrong, but I feel like this warm-up routine has absolutely helped me increase how much I've been lifting. So we know the goal of the warm-up is to elevate our core temperature and to prime our body to lift as heavy as possible. We're getting her ready. What people make the mistake of is warming up. They think that they need to do all these banded exercises to turn on the glutes but a warm-up should not intend to give you a pump or a burn, make you feel fatigued or cause you to lack really work your muscles because what the warm-up is supposed to do is we're supposed to prime our body for working, not actually doing working sets and taking our muscles to like getting that high pump into failure because if we're already started to work our muscles then we're taking away the intensity that we can train at in our working sets if we're already pre-fatigued therefore we're not going to be able to train at the best intensity we're not going to be able to train at a really good intensity during our working sets because we're already walking into the sets already pre-fatigued so we don't want that so what does a really good warm-up actually look like Of course, we want to raise the body temperature. So for some, it might be just getting on the cardio machine a little bit. For me, I walk to the gym and I utilize that as my warm up because I'm walking, it's hot and I'm walking in already warm. It doesn't have to be crazy. It just can be a little bit of light cardio, like two minutes on the treadmill or the elliptical or whatever that looks like. The next thing that I always recommend is 
some foam rolling, some self-manual therapy, especially if you are tight in a specific area. So this is why it's really important to know where your tightnesses are so that you can spend a little bit of time making sure you're just opening up your joints. So for me personally, it's my hip flexors and my thoracic spine. So I spend a little bit of time rolling in my glutes, rolling in the, my quads, and then also rolling through my thoracic spine just to make sure that I'm nice and mobile and ready to move. The next thing that you can add is dynamic stretching. I personally don't. I don't think that I need it personally because I have enough with just the cardio, the foam rolling, and then the ascending sets. Because your ascending sets is actually the most important aspect of your warm-up. And what I mean by that is with your first, second, and maybe third lift, depending on what movement pattern you're performing, is you want to be priming your body, utilizing this exercise that you're going to be lifting heavy at. So not only is it going to help you get a really good range of motion before you hit your working set, it's also really going to help you get that intensity right for your lift. Right? If we're just going in straight to like lifting like an 8 out of 10, how do you actually know it's a, like a real 8 out of 10 if you haven't spent a little bit of time just gradually, you know, working up towards that working weight? You might be surprised that you actually could be lifting heavier than what you think, but you don't know because you just jumped straight to that working set instead of ascending, slowly warming up to get to your working weight. So what this looks like is like three warm-up sets, gradually increasing in load up to your working weight. So super light, super easy. Then you're adding a little bit and then you're adding a little bit more and then you're going into your working weight. You don't have to be like super specific, like, oh, this is going to be like 50%, 60% of my one RM. Like we don't have to go that crazy, that specific. We can really feel and be intuitive with it to being like, okay, cool. This is really easy. This is getting harder. This is getting harder. And then that's when we're really thinking about, okay, cool. How many reps in reserve is this? How many more could have I done on that last set to get that right weight right? Of course, we're also utilizing like what we lifted the week before to making sure that we are progressively overloading and picking the weights as well. Of course, not only are we using our sending sets to pick our working weight, we're also utilizing what we lifted in the weeks before because that also is going to give us a really good indication of where we're at, what our working weight is going to look like. But in the sake of just talking through the warm-up here, our sending sets is really important to really making sure we're priming the body and getting ourselves ready to lift. Using a lighter weight of the exercise you're specifically doing will prime your body better than anything else. So I've got so many more to share with you, but what I'm actually going to do, I'm going to make this a two-parter. We're going to break this up into two parts. So thank you for being here. Please, please, please share this on your Instagram story. Hashtag strong girl error. I want to know you're listening. I want to hear from you. Send me your biggest takeaway and I will see you in part two. number one challenge that all my clients face before we start working together is a lack of clarity on how much and what to eat to lose weight. Often they are making two huge mistakes, constantly trying to skip meals or eat under 1600 calories. Secondly, only allowing themselves bad foods like chocolate on the weekend, but end up binging all to tell themselves they're going to start again on Monday. If you feel like you have tried every diet under the sun and 
still can't figure out what to eat to achieve your weight loss goals, take my free two-minute quiz. You can find the link in the show notes down below and it will help you figure out exactly what you're doing wrong with your nutrition and exercise and exactly what to do to fix it so that you can finally be confident in your body and achieve your weight loss goals.